All right, my friends, it's Scott. I'm back for another podcast. I'm back from the Pacific Northwest. I know it's been a couple weeks since I put my last one up, but when I got back to Athens here in Tennessee, things just got kind of crazy. Had to go back to work. Had to catch up on some things. Do stuff like that. Um, I'm on the back deck. That noise you hear in the background? I'm going to be real quiet so you can listen. That's crickets. That's right. I'm out in the country. It's beautiful out here. If you've never been out here, it's just amazing. Anyways, my guest today is my mother. And I'm probably going to make mom a regular guest on the podcast. She enjoys doing it. I enjoy having her on and talking to her as well. And um, so I think she's probably going to become a regular guest here. The topics today... Oh, before I say about the topics today, I actually did this a couple of months ago. Probably about a... Well, it was actually right before my very first podcast i got all my equipment together i set it up grabbed mom and said hey let's do some test runs and so we did some test runs did some recordings and then i hit record and we had a great two-hour conversation but i didn't keep it i deleted it i thought well i don't want she probably doesn't want this out there so i'm not gonna put it out there i'm just gonna delete it that way she doesn't have to worry about me putting it out there in the future i'll just delete it Totally regret doing that. Uh, it was a great conversation at that time. I remember telling a couple of friends about it, and they just, you big dummy, why did you delete that? You should have kept that. Even if you didn't ever, ever, ever put it out for people to hear it, you should have kept it. And they're right. I should have. So today, I got some new equipment in, specifically some headphones. And I grabbed mom, said, hey. Uh, we went to lunch, and then I said, hey, let's test out these new headphones. So we sat down, did a couple of test runs. Then I said, you want to do a podcast? And so we did. And that's what you're going to listen to today. She's funny. Uh, today she was cooking some muscadine jelly. Do you know what a muscadine is? You don't? Let me tell you. In the southeast, there's a grape that grows wild. It's called a muscadine. And they've domesticated it now. So some vineyards and people have these vines growing in their yards. Uh, it's different than most grapes you eat. It's different in that you can't eat the skin. Uh, well, you can. It's just not very tasty. But you put this thing in your mouth, uh, right on the edge of your mouth, and you suck the pulp right out, or you squeeze it and squeeze the pulp out, and it is so sweet and so juicy. It is one of the best grapes that are out there. A lot of the wineries here actually use those to make semi-sweet and sweet wines. Now, if you like those, I'm not a fan of semi-sweet and sweet wines. You'll love the muscadine wines. Uh, I, however, I'm just fine with eating them raw, just straight off the vine, or doing what my mom did today. She makes muscadine jelly out of it, and it is just absolutely heaven. I can't wait till this is done, and we're going to get some. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my mom. And we're live. What's going on, Mom? I'm trying to get the muscadines cooked so I can make jelly, but I don't got no jar lids. Who are you going to give all this jelly to? Probably your brother and his kids, because you don't eat it. It makes you fat. <laughs> it doesn't make me fat. I do eat it, but 
You can't on how many how many quart jars do you think are gonna be canning today? I'm gonna put it in pints. Oh, well, how many pint jars do you think are gonna be canning? I don't know. How many gallons did you pick? Three. Three gallons. Hmm. So how long does it take to make muscadine jelly? Not long after you get them picked and cooked. It's just a process. It doesn't take long. The the biggest process is probably picking them, huh? Yeah. Is that the worst process? No. I think washing them, getting the little stems off of them are. But you got a colander to do that, right? Well, not before I cook them. Oh, so you got to wash them before you cook them. You want me to cook the dirt on them? Well, I guess that makes sense. In the bug goop? <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I didn't think about that. But can't you just rinse them and throw them in there with stems and all and then cook them and then put it through the colander? I don't, never have. Don't know. Oh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want nobody to give me jelly with stems cooked in it. I, I wonder how that would affect the flavor. I don't know. You try some sometime. No, we won't do that. No, it's a waste of sugar. Waste of sugar. What else are you going to be canning this fall? Nothing. What all have you canned already? Apple butter. Oh, I haven't tried any of that yet. Is it? Is there any here? Yeah, it's over there on the counter. Well, I didn't know if you gave it to my brother and all his kids or not. No, he got last year's. I took some to Aunt Pat. She was tickled to death. How's she doing? She's doing remarkably well, I think. She helped me pick. She went out there with you and helped you pick them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got my bucket full. I had a two-gallon bucket, mm -hmm. and I put it in the car, and she had a little gallon bucket, and she said, where's your bucket? I said, it's full. It is not. I said, it is, too. Give me that, and I'll fill it up. So uh, she was upset because I had my bucket full first. She said, how did you get yours full? I said, I didn't eat them. You eat two and put one in the bucket. But uh, she's only got one hand, you know. That right. other arm is paralyzed, so. Well, there you go. Yeah. How old is she? That's old. <laughs> That's old. She's in her 70s. Wow. And she just went on a motorcycle ride to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. She rode it. Yeah. She, usually she used to uh, ride in a car with somebody, but she rode behind Jerry this time. First time she's been, she said, and I guess before she had her first stroke, she said, me did good. <laughs> she just got on the back of that motorcycle and took off. Well, you can't fall off of it unless he turns it over. He's got her so well, yeah, padded in. Well, yeah, it's one of those wide glides that's, that's uh, designed for cruising. She's Y'all, she's got those, yeah, armrest right. up, and she's right against him. She couldn't, even if she passed out, she couldn't fall out of it. Right. No, they're they're really safe, but they're still. I mean, in and of itself, motorcycle riding is dangerous. But Jerry's been riding for years, so yeah, yeah. She well, kudos to her at seventy something years old, going through a stroke and still willing to get on the back of a motorcycle. Yeah, she's she's a daredevil of the she's family. Been a while. Did she wear a leather halter top on this ride? I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't ask. I don't really want to know. She used to have these little leather halter tops and leather. Vest. Hot pants and shorts that she'd wear, but her skin is leathery from all the sun abuse. She used to lay out in the sun a lot. Yeah, she's a sunbather. Yeah, sun worshiper. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I was telling somebody when I was a kid, the radio stations 
um, used to have turn or burn. So in the summer, during the day, they'd be playing music, and then the DJ come on, okay, now it's time to turn and burn, turn mm-hmm. or burn, and that would let you know it's time to roll over before you get burned and blah, blah, blah. But we've become more aware now, and we have this idea that um, that it's dangerous. You know, you got melanoma, all that stuff. So are the headphones too loud, or are you, you good? I'm good. I can't hear anyway, so it's good for me. Okay. <laughs> They're good. They're good. Good. So I I haven't canned nothing. I, you know, last year we made chow chow and we did pickled okra and peppers and tomato juice. When you guys had how many bushels of corn last year? Dozens of ears. I had. Uh, see, I got twelve dozen, and the next time I got twenty-two dozen. It's a lot of corn. Well, you had to sit there and shuck and clean every bit of it. And then you had to, did you have to cut the kernels off? I mean, Some of it. Some of it I put in the freezer hole. That's a good way to do it. Mm. Now, Chris and his kids likes it on the cob better. So you just clean it and put it in the freezer. And then they take it out and drop it in boiling water and let it cook for about eight minutes. It tastes like fresh corn. So you can freeze it in the husk, though, can't you? I got some in the freezer out there now in the husk that I got when Dad was here, when Daddy was here. It's Mm -hmm. this year's corn. Where'd you get it? Uh, This little truck over there next to uh, Burke's. Okay, I I know which one you're talking about, between Burke's and, uh, well, right there in front of PetSense. Yeah, yeah. He had that corn and tomatoes and a watermelon. It was good corn. Is that candy corn? What do you mean candy corn? Yellow sweet, real sweet, yellow okay. white. So mixed. not like a silver queen, but it's a yellow and white mixed kernels. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Some call it bi-colored, but it's like a candy corn. Like a biracial corn? Depends upon where you get it. Okay. Yeah, it's two colors. Two different colors? I don't Sweet, remember. sweet, sweet. We used to cook that in Washington State. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed grilling corn. Yeah. I'd always soak it like in a bucket of water for I don't know how long, just until I got tired of it soaking. And then I just throw it on the top rack and then just keep turning it. Because if you don't, that husk will burn, which is okay that it burns, but uh, you don't want it to just get crisp and burn all the way through. So I just keep turning it. And it was always a big fan favorite. You pull it off and everybody's just, oh my God, and get it and eat it. Yeah, Chris did some of that on his birthday. He put it on the grill just to get the grill marks. Yeah. And then he put it on a cookie sheet and stuck it in the oven on low and let it finish cooking so it had that grill taste but he could still use the grill now you were with me uh, i believe it was with angelo's mom kim and she made that corn and put that she called it mexican corn mexican corn you put mayonnaise and uh butter and spices cayenne pepper some kind of pepper and then squeeze lime over kevin does that Dorothy's son, but yeah. he does it with those little green giant, little bitty ears. Oh, okay. He puts it on it and then just sticks it in the oven. Well, I remember here we just grilled them, then uh-huh. you pulled it out and you pasted uh-huh. it, and then you took the shaker and mm-hmm. shaked whatever it was on it. But she squeezed lime over hers. Right. I don't think Kevin squeezes lime over his. I remember that was a good way of doing it because I was like, oh my God. It was so good, good corn. Well, uh, remember. Daddy uh, ate that too. Yeah. Yeah, he liked that. Yeah, he did. Um, the, um, a friend of mine bought one of those corn roasters. Remember my buddy that does all the concessions? Yeah. 
he bought a corn roaster, and uh, it was just a few thousand dollars. It wasn't, I don't even think it was over 2000 It might have been $1,200. And he bought a pallet of corn. I think he said he paid $100 for that pallet of corn. And he threw the corn in the corn roaster, and it just rotates. It's a big tumbler in there. You've got a propane flame. It's just roasting this corn. And when you pull it out, you pull the shucks back. That way, the people who buy concessions have something to hold on to. You dip it into a vat of uh, butter. And he was selling those at $5 a pop. And he bought what he thought was enough corn to get him through the weekend. Sold out the first day. I said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm buying more corn and I'm raising my prices. <laughs> nah, I wonder where he got it. He's corn. Uh, in Yakima. Oh, a friend up there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend up there in Yakima got him. Uh, oh. He bought a pallet. I think he said it was $100 for a pallet of corn, which he thought was expensive. But then we started selling those ears of corn for $5 a piece. So let's see how many ears of corn he had because the most expensive you would buy corn in Washington would have been $5 a dozen. Mm-hmm. So at $5 a pop, that's $60. Just for a dozen. For a dozen. And he had a full pallet. And a pallet. It's like, well, how much is on a pallet? Well, a lot more than a dozen. A lot more than a dozen. But he was also buying, you know, he had commercial rates. He's buying commercial uh, wholesale pricing and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like he's going down to the grocery store. We know field pots in Inglewood. Yeah. That's where we got our corn last year. Mm-hmm. Their corn is delicious. It is so yummy and sweet and it's just, you could eat it. I ate one right off the cob. It wasn't even cooked. It was so good. Well, you know, our neighbor, Jessica, she was telling me she found some corn down at the farmer's market in Athens. And that's, before she bought it, that's how she tested it. She said, yeah. when I'm buying corn, I'll shuck it and take a bite right there. And if it's good enough for me to eat raw, I'll buy it. She said, the guy just looked at me like I was weird. But she said, Scott, it was the best corn ever. Yeah. That corn I got last year was so sweet. Uh, you were sticky. When you worked in it. So are they doing it. something different? Is it the soil? Is it the way they take care of it? Is it the variety? I mean, why is their corn sweeter and somebody else's isn't? I think it has to do with the corn. I, I, not the corn. The ground. So I like do. the pH and yeah. the acid and everything that's in the ground. I think it does. Well, you look at tomatoes. You can buy tomatoes from someone and go buy the same tomatoes from somebody else, and they taste totally different. Hmm. You can buy the peaches in Vancouver, Washington, and buy the same brand here, and they're night and day different. Well, now part of that is the freshness. So, for example, I tell people all the time, like when I buy, uh, when I'm making, there went my phone, when I'm making my uh, smoothies, I don't buy, I buy frozen fruit. I don't buy grocery store fresh fruit. And the reason is grocery store fresh fruit was picked just before it got ripe so that in theory it would ripen before it gets to you. So it's not getting, it's not ripening on the vine or it's not ripening on the tree. Where frozen fruit, they pick it ripe and then they flash freeze it and ship it to you. So you're getting more flavor and nutrients out of the frozen fruit. So I'm wondering if the peaches you're buying, the same brand that you're buying here, they had to pick them earlier and put them in cold storage 
where when you're in Washington and you buy that brand, they were picked fresher and brought to you. You can go to the peach farms here in Georgia. Uh huh. They're still not as good, and they pick them fresh. Oh. So you're okay. They're I just not. They're not as good. It's kind of like that fine ripe cantaloupe I sent you when you was in Iraq. Yeah. And yeah, it was as green as a gourd. I got it at the store. It was green as a gourd. But it's supposed to be fine ripened. It mm-hmm. wasn't it's green. But, uh, you know, what, two or three weeks in, in the mail and it gets to me and it's ready to uh-huh. go? Uh-huh. No. no. Probably like that. Well, I'd say the soil in, in Washington, they, they primarily grow there in the Yakima Valley. So the soil there has got a lot of volcanic uh ash and nutrients in it there's not very many volcanoes in georgia no daddy used to buy cantaloupes in uh down next to bowwaters yeah they're in calhoun they call them mcmean county he always called them mcmean county cantaloupes that's what i grew up hearing him call right and he he always said there was nothing any better than that but those people where they grew those they had a lot of uh sandy ground fine uh-huh. and they were he loved them so do you think they were really that good or it was just what he grew up on and you kind of he probably grew up on it yeah that's kind of like you know here everybody's like oh nothing better than mayfield's ice cream well then you get out in the world and you taste other people's ice cream you're like, oh, this and you taste tillamook <laughs> ice cream it's like oh yummy well, we went to this place after uh we went and saw penn and teller when i was up there visiting kids Levi uh, wanted to go to this place called Salt and Straw, and it's a ice cream place. And I'm like, Are you sure you want to go there? Because everything I've heard about Salt and Straw, you're going to stand outside for 45 minutes, and that's true during the day on Northwest 23rd, uh, that really trendy place that we used to go and walk around. Yes, and uh, so I told him, I said, I don't know, man. It's going to take forever to get some ice cream. He said, no, 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 let's go to this place. <clears throat> so we park, and there's a building, and in the bottom of this building, the first floor, you walk in, and it's wide open, and all around it are these little bitty uh, coffee shops, pizzerias, uh, sandwich shops, just a bunch of little different places. To get. It's like an indoor food truck scene, right? And over in the corner was salt and straw. So we go over there, and we got that ice cream, and we all sat down and had it. But it was one of the neatest little experiences I think we had. Uh, just downtown Portland on a Friday night, a bunch of people sitting around, and everybody getting the different types of food they want. Or if you wanted to drink, it was available, and we got ice cream. And one of the things I found funny there, <clears throat> which I, I was accustomed to when I lived there, but having moved back here, I haven't seen that much of it. You go in some of these restaurants, or most of the restaurants that I went to when I was there, you bust your own tables. And they they just got a little bus station over there for you to put your plates and your recycling and your glasses in. And I thought, I wonder how well that would go here in Athens. Imagine if you went over here to Angela's and they said, well, you got to bust your own table. Well, people here don't like bagging their own groceries, so figure that out. I know, and then they complain about having to use the, the self-checkout. Check. Right. Because it's not any cheaper. I get that, but I'm willing to, I I, I get the, that point. But I do the self-check just to get out. Just to get out and I have to worry about talking to people sometimes. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't want to. 
I, don't I like to self-check better with those scanners, those little hand scanners. Oh, yeah. You just go zip, zip, zoom, zip, bam, zoom, and it gets it. You don't have to worry about do I have it in front of the light or whatever. Oh, just, waving it back and forth. Yeah, you just choop, point and shoot. Yeah. I like that. Where do they have those? I'm not seeing those. They're at Walmart. Oh, they got those at Walmart? They're a little handheld. There's a little wand there. You pick it up and go choop, choop. Oh. We used those in the hospital in Washington before yeah, I left. Yeah. They had just got those, and it's so easy. You didn't have to scan the pill, and you could just choop, 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 choop. Yeah. Work good. I yeah. love them. Well, the QR code readers, yeah, you know, the, and I'm not going to mention their name, but the company I work for is the one that designed, uh, invented the QR code, which is a quick response code, which really? is basically what you're talking about right there. That little zip yep. zam. Well, not a zip zam. That yeah. little barcode thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the QR code is a square one that's got all the little Lines. blocks on it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they're the ones that invented it. I like I like the self checkout. Dad Daddy didn't like them, cause he always had to get somebody to come and fix it. Well, the thing I so that's one thing I do like about it is they've got one person standing there. So uh, if you do need help, they can get there and do it. If you don't need help, you can just get in and out. Um, so that's what I do like about it that they have somebody there. But I also prefer the option to just go hit it and get out of there. I remember when the first one came, it was in Kmart, come to Kmart, mm-hmm. and I took my sister Pat mm-hmm. shopping, and this lady said, would you like to come and try our self-checkout lane? And Pat said, do I get it any cheaper? She said, no. Pat said, well, I'm not doing your job if I don't get paid for it. <laughs> Just stood in the line where the checkout lane was. I'll just stand right here. Oh, she said, I'm not doing your job. If I don't get any cheaper, what are you getting paid for? And I thought, oh, goodness, Pat. Have you, speaking of self checkout, have you seen those stores that Amazon's putting up? No. There is no checkout. You sign up. Walk out free. Free stuff? No. Uh, So you, you log in to this app or whatever. And so when you come in the store, it knows you're in the store. It, and once you've logged in, you've given it access to your bank account. You just walk up, pick up what you want, and when you walk out the store, it charges your bank account for what you picked up. Well, I don't like that. Why not? Well, you don't like that. You don't like that uh, alert we're supposed to be getting. That alert's different. You know why it's different? I signed up. I didn't sign up for the alert. Yeah, but I don't but want this them. this app, I would have signed up for. I don't want them. What if they charge me a price if it's on sale? Well, and I get charged the real price. Well, they tested it in Seattle for the last, I think, two, maybe three years. They've been testing it in Seattle. Wow. And now they're opening up stores, more stores in larger cities. I like that. Too much access to your account. I get hacked enough. Has your bank account ever been hacked? No. Mine and Daddy's has been a lot. I know. And I've always wondered why that is. What are you clicking on? Clicking on nothing. <laughs> It, uh, Daddy got a card. He just got a card. We lived in Washington. And he just activated it. Uh-huh. And that afternoon, he hadn't even used it. That afternoon, we had a lot of money charged on our account from California. And we were in Washington State. 
Did they ever find out? I mean, that's the thing about it. When you when you report it as fraud, they never come back and tell you how that happened or where it happened. They never... No, they just tell you they've they've taken care of it. The money's put back in your account. And... See, and that's another reason I don't worry about it. But we used to get hacked all the time. Right. Or they would, and I don't know how they got it because your dad, we hadn't left the house when he, uh, yeah, you have to call that little number and activate yeah. it. So I don't know how it got it. That's weird. But they did, but we've, yeah, ours has been done a lot. So I wouldn't like that Amazon. There's a place here in town, a filling station in town, that they were hacking. They were getting people's bank cards. You know how you stick your card in and yeah, skimmers pay for medicine, uh, pay for gas. Yeah, they're called skimmers. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people who had used that certain place. Their their card had been compromised. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't go there no more. That's the reason. Well, I wish you'd tell me which one it is later when we get offline. That way I know where not to go. Well, in theory, it's been fixed, and they're probably more uber careful than the other gas stations because it's happened to them before. But um, that's kind of like after a plane crashes. I always tell people the best day to fly is the next day after a plane crash because yeah. they've all been checked. <laughs> Yeah, you know, your Aunt Judy had never had her card compromised until mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. Did she get her money back? Yeah. yeah. She was she was trying to figure out where she went that they would have used it, that they could have got it. But. See, that's why I'm really careful. You know, I buy stuff online. I mean, most of the stuff that we're using right here, I bought online. Yeah. But I'm really careful of the sites I use. And and there's probably some other sites out there that are really really good, but because I don't know them and I don't use them, I I go to the ones I know and use. But the the only solace I have is that I know that the way my bank is set up and yours is okay. If I get compromised, they're going to return my money. They're going to do the investigation and take care of it. So I did. That's one of the reasons I went to using the credit card because for a long time I was like anti credit card. But the reason I went to using it is because it's got more protection than my debit card. Yeah. Which I find weird. We've never had our credit card compromised. It's always been the debit. Well, I find that weird. So I I do that. And it was always the bank we had here uh-huh. that we've used our whole life. Mine in Washington State that I used. Never them. Was never compromised. But the one that we had when we got married and we've always had it. Well, my bank is uh, is really, really good. So, you know, when we travel, when we would come across, we would have to, we would call them and tell them that we were traveling across and what it would be used for. Well, see, and that's what Levi had to do when he, when he travels. Yeah. He has to call his credit union there in Vancouver, say, hey, I'm going here, because he said, if I don't, they shut it off. My bank's never done that. Uh, now, when I was in Washington this last time, I get this notice from my bank that says, hey, are you traveling? It came on my phone. Yeah, and because you're making purchases that you haven't, at places you haven't been doing. Right. But yeah. the thing I appreciate about that, instead of just shutting it off, my app opens up, are you traveling? And what are your dates? And yes, I'm traveling. These are my dates. Mm-hmm. And But I never had a problem. Um now, of course, if I'd been here and that app popped up, and that's why I like my bank, is um, 
the customer service has always been really, really good. Every time I've tried to get online to get somebody to get some help for something, even if it's just something innocuous, uh, they've been really good about it. And they've got all these features like that. So I'm excited about it. Now, my bank, uh, because I use online banking a lot, Yeah. the one in Washington, uh, I tried to get on it the other day, and it wouldn't let me on it because it said it was a, from a device that they was not familiar with. Right. So I had to call them, and I had been—I've always used that device, but I had not been on it in so long. Yeah. Right. So you got to appreciate that. Yeah. So I had to go back and re-register it to the bank. Yeah. Well, you got to appreciate the security. I do. I do. I appreciate our bank here too, because they would call Dad and they'd say, "Are you traveling? Are you in California?" We just got purchases on blah blah blah. Yep, and they would will take care of it. So we're good. They always took care of it, but we always. I don't know why he got we got compromised so bad on that. That is weird. But you've never had a credit card compromise. Huh. Uh-uh. Just our debit. <clears throat> That's weird. I, I I guess on one hand you would think that a bank would be just as secure as a credit card. But I guess it's not. That's what I thought. I don't know how they would do the. I don't know how they do the debit card. Because you know you got to have your PIN number and you got to have the CSV on the back. You all that have other your account junk. Number. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how they do that. Well, I don't. Especially if you haven't used it when you got it and just reactivated it. Well, the theory is that you've been online, they've gotten access to your computer, they've gotten access to a place in which you're purchasing, and then they've gotten that information from you. That's the theory. The problem with that theory is you said you guys got the card that morning, hadn't used it other than activating it, and then it was used. It's gone. See, I never used dance for online or nothing. <clears throat> I didn't use his for online stuff. Mm-hmm. His was... Well, that's why a lot of people use companies like PayPal. I don't like PayPal. I've never used them. Don't. I don't like them. I've never used them, but... Uh, I bought something last year for the girls for Christmas. Yeah. And I bought them two months before Christmas, supposed to be in here. I got them a month after Christmas, and I couldn't return them. Was that because of PayPal or is that because of the company? Well, PayPal, you know, of course, was paid. Oh. And then the company wouldn't take them back. So I don't like that. Well, you know the good thing. What? Christmas is just around the corner. Yeah, but I don't want to give them to them now. <laughs> so it was good enough last year, but it's not good enough for this year. It's just something that came out last year, and I couldn't find them, and I, and I found them. Well, what are you going to do with them? And I think I got, I think I got ripped off. I, I don't think they're the real thing. Okay, so what are you going to do with them? I don't know. I have to find them. <laughs> you have no clue where they're at. I don't. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a guess. They're in a closet. That'd probably be a good guess. <laughs> go find it. Okay, do you remember that gold bracelet I bought Becky and? Amy, one year for Christmas, and I had it. I put it up, couldn't find it, and I found them about five years later. No. Yeah. I kept them. What'd you do with them then? 
I wore one, and uh, Amy said, oh, I like that, Rebecca. Oh, I like that bracelet. And I said, well, thank you. I bought this for you about five years ago, and I couldn't find it. She well, said, well, well give me it. <laughs> I said, nope. It's mine. Yep. I was bad about that. I'd find something like that. Oh, I'll get these for the girls. Well, there's remote-controlled cars in a closet in there. You got that for some people. No, I didn't. I bought that because it was on sale and a good deal. And I bought those in case I needed a gift for a small child. And I don't have no small boys running around. No small boys. Well, your church certainly does a lot of gifting. Well, they usually do that Samaritan purse thing. And you can't very well put that in a shoebox. No, and it costs so much money to do the Samaritan's Purse thing. You buy the stuff to put in the box, and you may spend, you'll probably spend $30 at least if you do a good box. And then you have to pay $9 a box to ship it. And uh, So you pay that $9, you're certainly not paying it to a shipping company, you're paying it to Samaritan's Purse. I don't know, we write the check, I don't know. It's supposed to be for postage. But I usually do eight boxes, one for each grandchild. Yeah. I didn't do that many last year because, well, you know. Just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't. Well, I, I certainly like the concept and the idea of Samaritan's Purse. I much prefer what we did in Washington because we, we took the same concept and idea, but instead of shipping it overseas to people we didn't know, we took it down to that open house ministries. Yeah. And we gave it to them, which, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea. You and I could put something together like that here. There's a couple of shelters and home, halfway homes here. And we could probably say, hey, let's do a shoebox Christmas for the guys and the gals at the various homeless shelters here. You know, Levi did that at his school. Yeah, he put it together there. One year. And uh, we helped do that. Your dad and I helped participate with that. And uh, Lily did it at her school, and uh, your dad and I helped with that. But one year when I was doing all eight of them, I gave uh, the girl's mama money, and she took them shopping. Mm -hmm. And they bought what they wanted to put in the boxes, Mm -hmm. which is good for me. I didn't have to go shopping. And lose it. And lose it. Yeah. Forget where you put it. <laughs> Forget where I put it. <laughs> you know, some of that Samaritan purse, so you can, uh, some of the ladies at church, they, instead of doing the shoebox, they s- buy chickens. They send money for chickens. So the villagers there can buy chickens and, and raise their own eggs and, and, yeah. and poultry. And this Methodist church over here uh, from the house. Wesleyana. They use, uh, they get five-gallon buckets, food-quality Food grade buckets at Lowe's, which five dollars, and they fill it full of staples, you know, like pinto beans, yeah. mac- stuff like that, and they send it off. Hmm. But it don't cost them no nine dollars a bucket to mail it. No, no, no. But I'm 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 still back on this idea. If we put something together like that here for somebody here locally, 
I think that'd be a cool thing. I mean, I, I, I know a shop owner here in town. She might be interested in promoting it through her business. Because, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, I certainly know somebody who runs their own philanthropic organization that, that focuses on the homeless. Um, she would be a great resource. You know, we focus a lot on the kids. And there's nothing wrong with focusing on our kids. But we have a lot of angel trees. And there's kids are probably on every angel tree. Right, right. And we kind of push the adults aside well that was the discussion that i had with aaron at open house ministries in vancouver washington because we originally went to him saying hey what can we do for the kids this year he said scott i am inundated with stuff for the kids Mm -hmm. and i said well what about the adults and uh he said well they don't get anything and that's when we changed our focus and said let's let's focus on the adults now what we did that was a learning process for me the first year I was just basically fill a shoebox up for people and they're homeless. And so I started getting a bunch of what I thought was just crappy gifts. Yeah, like toothpaste uh, and well, they're homeless. They'll want this. Hotel shampoos and hotel lotions. Yeah. And I just thought that was crappy gifts. Um, and so we started putting a little bit higher requirements on what you're donating the next few years. Um, because I'm sitting here thinking if, if I'm homeless, living in a shelter with my kids, I don't think I want some hotel shampoo. Uh, and, and part of my thought is, if I can make mom and dad's Christmas a little better and happier, that's going to overflow into the children. So if I can give them something a little nicer, and I'm not talking about a Rolex watch or even you know, uh, a new iPhone, but if I can give them something that's just a little nicer, as simple as maybe you know, a game, that they can play with their kids, maybe a, a deck of Uno, or maybe I can give them some candies that they might enjoy, or maybe I can give them, I don't know, a, a nice pair of gloves for the winter. Um, and granted, is it going to change their life? Probably not dramatically. Could it change that day for them? I think so. And well, that's somebody in my community mm, that needs help that I can help. I liked when we adopted the family right there at open house share a meal is what we called it Mm -hmm. and we instead of that we would we put the money toward adopted and an open house would give the money if they needed it if there was something they just didn't give it to them they was in charge of it so like and i know the first thing their little boy's bicycle tire had gone flat and they didn't have the money to buy it to fix it. Right. So out of the money that we had put aside for them, they were able to get his bicycle fixed. And that just, he was tickled well, and that's, to death. And that's, that's what it was I'm for. for. Uh, maybe we can start something like that. I wonder if women That'll at the... That'll give you something to do. You need something to do. I wonder if women at the <laughs> well has accounts like that for their ladies. I don't know. I don't know. I think I know somebody there, though. Yeah. I wonder if they do. Mm-hmm. Grace and Mercy. Well, you got Miracle Lake, Grace and Mercy. You have the Grace House across the pavilion. Well, I know our church sponsors uh, Miracle Lake and Women at the Well. We send them so much money a month. It's not a lot, but it's money. Well, every little bit counts. Yeah. So they got expenses, you know. They have expenses. Well, they have ongoing expenses. Yeah. 
and it's not just staff. I mean, they got things like electricity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and things like that. The uh, Miracle Lake, I was thinking about them yesterday, and I was thinking, man, do I know anybody that knows anybody out there? Because I, I kind of like to have him on the podcast. I think I want him on the podcast. They were at our church a couple of weeks ago. Well, Miracle their men's Lake choir was. was. Well, and Jack Bryan was there, too. Okay. And sang. And uh, one of the guys uh, accepted the Lord after the service. So now, that was good. They take guys from all over, right? Yeah. So it's it's only a men's shelter, right? It's only a men's shelter. Good. It's it's more Is it substance abuse mainly or I think it's a little both. Substance little abuse both. and people who's been in jail it's you know, they're just need a halfway house to halfway stay. Halfway house to get them uh, I guess back into society. Let them kind of like what uh, they do at Open Door. Yeah, open house. Yeah. Oh. Women at the well. Women at the well. Yeah, open door is the bar I drink at. We were both wrong. <laughs> women at the well. Well, I thought you were talking about open house in Vancouver, Washington. It's kind of like they do women at the well. You know, they get them back into society and teach them how to interview and how to look for a job and stuff like that. They have mentors for them. So I think that's a lot of what Miracle Lake does. Good. Good. I think Miracle Lake is expensive, though. To stay, it used to run off of grants, or it was, you know, it's totally funded by organizations. Well, who pays for it? Because I mean, but they've gotten so many. Well, see, they've gotten so many. It's grown so such a vast amount of guys, and a lot of them are young. You'll see some middle-aged guys there, but you know, when I say young, I'm talking twenties, early thirties. Yeah. But um, which is good, uh, and we've had people that come. To hear them, that was, uh, they had been at Miracle Lake, and they were back and had a very good life and hadn't gotten back into trouble and was still clean. Good. Good. So it serves its purpose. It's a good, it's a good thing. So here's a question. So you've lived here in in Athens, and you've lived in the Portland metro area. Yeah. And you, I mean, when you first moved there, you were just appalled at the homeless situation. Oh, yeah. And the panhandling. Having come back here, uh, I hear people talk about, oh, the panhandling and the homeless here is so bad. And I, and I sit there and think, you guys, no, it's not really that bad. And and then I hear people complain about the panhandlers, like that something needs to be done. And I will agree that there are people who are faking it. Mm-hmm. I also believe that's a very small, small number. Uh, I will agree that some of the people who panhandle probably aren't using it for what you think they should use it for. The answer to that is don't give them your money. I have a problem with people wanting to get rid of them, wanting to get them off the streets and say they can't panhandle, we need to get the homeless out of here. Well, wh- what are we going to do with them? Where are you going to put them? Why do you want them off the streets? Why don't you want them panhandling? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think in Washington, the population was so big, such a vast amount of people. So you really saw, or I really saw a lot, a lot of that. And I was just really shocked. 
So our our county, I don't think, is that big. No. I mean, you know, and uh, I don't remember seeing all the homeless before we went to Washington. Maybe they were here, and I just didn't pay any attention to them. But um, they've got to, I mean, they're, they're this world. They're part of this creation. They need to be taken care of. At the same point, time, they've got to be willing to be taken care of. See, you know, there's, there's rules and regulations and guidelines with everything. Some of them choose to be homeless. Right. Some of them don't want the guidelines and the regulations that a lot of people sit down. But, you know, you have to do that if you're going to open the door because you've got some people in there that may have small kids or whatever. You've got to protect each one that's there. I think something needs to be done, and I, I really think they need help. But at the same time, uh, they've got to be willing to help themselves. I agree. I, a little. I'm of the belief that there are organizations here in McMinn County that offer help. Yeah. There are organizations here in McMinn County that offer shelter. There are organizations in McMinn County that when it gets cold, they offer shelter. Um, you can't force people no. to, to do that. Now, I did talk to a city official, and maybe I'll have him on the podcast one day and we can talk about this. Um, he said the the city does, during inclement weather, the city does send EMS to the various homeless camps mm-hmm. uh, just to look, see if people, there's something they could do for people like that. And, and he said, you know, and there are people that just don't want nothing to do. They don't want anything to do with it. They, uh, he said, then there are some that are truly looking for help. They're destitute. They're down and out. And there are organizations out there that, that try to help them. Government organizations are not the answer. No. I, I think government organizations can be uh, a seedbed for the answer. They can help open the door for the answer. Um, but is there, is there an answer to it? No. Uh, there's only an answer to today. There was a church last year, last year when it was so cold mm-hmm. in Etowah mm-hmm. that opened their doors for the homeless, and they fed them, and they had put cots in their fellowship hall to where they could, they even had showers, and I thought that was, that they were going in town, and so people. I'd be curious to know to how many people showed up at that. I never, I never heard the follow-up to that. Yeah, I didn't either, but I thought that was interesting. You know, some churches are equipped showers and they could they could do that they've got the staff they've got the resources yeah. to do that the other thing is that was a complaint last year with people saying some of these churches need to open their doors and blah 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 and i said yeah i hear people say that until the church in their neighborhood does it and then they'll go oh look what they brought into our area right right you know i think um we all will fall on hard times sooner or later some worse i shouldn't say all but most people some worse than others Uh, you never know you know i may not have a home tomorrow you don't know Uh, so i think we need to look at that but well you're right be willing to help yourself a little bit and i think that that may be a lot of the issue here i know in washington your dad would get 
so upset up there, you know, because he did a lot of volunteer mission work there, and he would think a lot of those, uh, a lot of the different ethnic groups felt like we owed them, that we were there for them, right. and they should have it all. And, uh, well, you get that from uh, not well, just that, that you get that from all. But see, though, we noticed it more there because all sorts of people. There well, were so many there. people there. Right, right, right. There wasn't just so many people. You were more involved there, and so you—that's—that's that's the people you dealt with. But it's, um, that's interesting. I don't know what the answers are. Uh, I know that. Um, well, here's what I was going to tell you. <clears throat> There's a young man. He's probably in his twenties late 20s, early 30s, who was messaging me today, and he says, look, I need some help as far as just becoming more disciplined. So I suggested a couple books to him, and um, and I told him, I said, look, you are an adult now. That means your life is your fault. That means only you can take responsibility for fixing your life. And if you want to be more disciplined, then Every day, do something. Just one small incremental thing that takes you towards being the man you want to be. And that's what I tell a lot of guys. I mean, that's what I had to do. I had to get to the point where I said, okay, this is not the guy I want to be. Who is the guy I want to be? What can I do today? What one small thing can I do today that gets me closer to being the man I want to be? Uh, A lot of people go into life change like that and they think they have to make this dramatic change everything's got to change today well there's a problem with that maybe i want to lose 40 pounds or maybe i want to gain 40 pounds i can't lose or gain 40 pounds today i have to change the way i eat i have to change the way i exercise i have to change the things i'm putting into my body my rest and little by little i start getting closer to that goal till eventually i'm at that goal but it's just a matter of putting in the work. And that's what I was trying to explain to that young guy today. Look, if you want to be more disciplined, the only way to do it is I can't do it for you. You've got to do it. Now, I can point you toward resources that could help inspire you. I could give you answers to some questions that maybe you're struggling with. But at the end of the day, you've got to do it. Well, it's a process. It is a process. It's like uh, the process with Dad. With your daddy, uh, it's a long, hard process. Some days are really good, and some days are horrible. But uh, now, for those who are listening that don't know, Dad passed away August fifth. Yeah. Of this year. And it's it's been rough, but it's it's uh, it's a process. So I think that would be the same thing with everybody, with anything they do. And you can tell me or people can tell me and have told me what I need to do. And I'll think, well, it's not you, it's me. Right. I'm, I'm not doing that. It may be the same way with other people, you know. Whether not, it's coming out of homelessness or like this young man, getting his life together. Yeah. they gotta be, they got to be ready and willing to let go. Right. And I'm not there. So they may not be ready and willing. They think they want to change, but they're not ready to change Are completely. You? Or they're hanging on to part of it. 
Is it that you're not there or is it that you're in the process of getting there? Process. Right. I'm, I'm working on it. Right. And it's about the journey. It's horrible. It's a horrible journey. Yeah. Um, and I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I wouldn't take this journey from you. I wouldn't take this journey from Chris. I wouldn't take it from me. It's a journey that we have to go on. If I was to say, okay, I'm going to take this journey and get you over here to this destination, forget the journey, I wouldn't do that. No, and at the same time, as much as I miss Dad, um, I wouldn't want him to have to go through this journey. Um, if it was reversed. If it was reversed. Because it's such a... It's been very painful. And I guess it's the same when you look at a homeless person. You wouldn't want your child to have to go through that homeless journey mm-hmm. other. And, uh, By yeah. the same token, though, you know that this is a journey they got to go down. Yeah, it's a journey. It's a journey. And, and you can scream and kick and say it's not fair, and, which I have. But, but at some point, you got to get up. It's not made it no different. And take that small little step. And, and that might mean, okay, I'm going to sit down again. I think you go back and forth. You do. You'll get through one and you think, all right, I'm going through this and get through this and get through this. The next thing you know, you're back to one. Well, that's what I was telling somebody about uh, the five stages of grief, which I believe in. Yeah. I think they exist. They are. Uh, I think stages is the wrong phrase for it. <laughs> I, I think... The five seasons, maybe that's a better come phrase. Come and go. They come and go. And you go through this season, and then you're into that season. And you go through this season, and it just it's a cyclical thing. And there are some seasons that, like winter, some winters aren't that harsh. So as you go through life, and you hit that winter part of this grieving process, it's not that harsh. But next season, you hit that winter process, that winter season, and it's way harsh. Well, I think the homeless... And the people who have other problems, uh, I think they have the same seasons. They do. Uh, And some people get their stuff back on their feet. You've been there. You get Mm -hmm. yourself back on your feet, and all of a sudden your job goes, and you're back to square one again. Yep. It's like where you think you've, you've, you've already got through two or three squares, and you may be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Next thing you know, you're right back to start over. Um, and it's it's difficult. And I think that's that's what this is with Dad. But I'll get there. You said something the other day we were driving. And um, you were talking about, you, you've often asked, did he have a choice to leave or did God take him? And I've often argued his body just quit. And it wasn't his choice or God's choice. It was just the body. Because even though they didn't do a coroner's report, it's pretty easy for us all to guess it was something related to his heart. Uh, and you said something the other day about what if he had a live, but the heart, that heart attack would have been so bad that he couldn't have had a good quality of life. I thought yeah. a lot about you saying that, and I thought wow, that's pretty profound. And it's not that 
I, I don't know if he would want to have continued like that. I know when he had his first one. You know, he was he was only 49 when he had that one. And, um, and it did quite a bit of harm to him. Well, they, he had to quit and uh, work. So he couldn't do a whole lot. Right. And that bothered him. Well, if I now, remember I him being very depressed. Yeah. That's when he started putting on a lot of weight. Yeah. He was very, very depressed. Uh, yeah, and he's had a lot. He had a lot, a lot of them since then. He right. had eight stints in his heart when he left. But, um, you know, it's so hot and humid here. He can't get out and do a lot in this heat. Anyways. Anyway, and... Um, I had, ne- but I had never thought about what if he had survived that heart attack, but he'd have been stuck with not being able to do anything. I know, and people say, "Well, you wouldn't want him back." Well, I would. You would. He'd be mad. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about but, me. If it was me, is that a quality of? And Chris, you know me. I love life. I, I've never been hit that hard with that type of a problem, and I just don't know how I would think about me if it was it gave me something to think about i don't think daddy would have uh liked it right um i really don't so um i'm glad i don't think he had a choice back to what i said earlier and i don't since think since he had to go uh, i'd rather he went the way he went than to I think. Right. <laughs> I always have people tell me that. Well, I guess going in your sleep's the best way to go. And I'm like, I don't know. I think. I've never went. I know I told Chris I felt like he was by himself. And uh, so we were asleep. And Chris reminded me that I couldn't have been closer to Dad. Right. Than I was. Right. And I have to think about that. Because I think about him maybe going away without me being there yeah um but you know, there you go yes what it is i guess you know we'll get there so what are we gonna do with all these cows i don't know i know i was thinking about that uh i need to I, last weekend it was kind of rainy last weekend i i'd worked those 12 hours i didn't sleep that well but i was thinking this weekend we need to get out there and reassess it the grass isn't growing as fast as i thought it should be right now so we'll probably start feeding hay this month that's what i'm thinking that means we won't have enough hay well i'm not certain about that but need to feed them grain because they're 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 all expecting well we need to get some minerals too yeah i need to get mineral block and salt blocks and um Daddy usually puts that down there, usually keeps it. I haven't looked. I'm sure they don't have any since Daddy's not here. Right. I'm going to – so I'm doing another one of these Saturday with Kelly, uh, you know, Klaus. Yeah. I'm doing another one of these Saturday with her, um, but I thought I would load up the truck with the barrels. Well, they're not open Saturday. The co-op's not open Saturday? Not the, not the feed. Oh, so I need to load up the truck – with the barrels and go this week. So that leaves, yeah. what's today? Wednesday? Wednesday. They're not, they're not open with feed 
headphones. Okay. Not the bulk. You can buy the bag. Yeah, no. But Daddy buys but the But we can bulk. go out there and get the mineral blocks and stuff Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we can go get all that. Jim I, next door has got these mineral feeders. I try to get Dad to get one of those, and I think it would be better because uh, when he just puts a block down, yeah, it gets wet and rained. Right, and Jim's got his because I helped him set his up the other day. Uh, it's a mineral feeder, and it's got this big rubber thing that goes on top. Yeah, he, he don't said let water you, get in it. you got to leave it open for a couple of days because then they know where it's at. And then once they find out where it's at, you put that rubber thing back on it, and then they figure out how to lift that rubber lid up. Snick their head in. Yeah, they figure out how to do that, and they get the minerals. So he asked me about that, and they had this other one, this big plastic tub from a company, and it was like a lick, but it's a great big tub. I don't know what it is. That's that, too. But it wasn't a block. No, it's in a big tub. It's in a big tub. And they just lick it. So it was the one that they can lick, and then there was minerals that you just pour in there, and they just go. A lot of people use those minerals to see. Uh, they move them from field to field. Mm-hmm. See where the cows go. See if the minerals are better. I don't know. I don't know about it either. Well, I know that. Uh, we need to go up to roll. We need to go get that. Uh, hay feeder. Yeah, I want to get that creep feeder. And maybe that mineral thing. But then again, what am I going to do with them? If we get rid of the cows. Well, you don't get rid of them. What if I decide I want to get rid of this place? Uh, you'll probably decide that later. Well, it's like I said the other day. If you decide you want to get rid of it, I'd sell it all as one package. You know, somebody coming out here buying this, they're going to want a tractor. They're going to want a bush hog. They're going to want all that. Hey, this goes with the house. That's what I would sell it as. But that's me. It'd be a lot of money at one whack. What do you mean a lot of money at one whack? Time you bought the house and the land and the tractor and the tools and equipment. A lot of people would say that's, I don't have that much money. Well, I guess what I would do is I would give it the option. Uh, yeah. It's this much money. With this much money without. Right. Um, because somebody else coming in might want to buy it, because, and, but they don't. I mean, you bought this place, and you didn't have a tractor. You didn't have a bush hog. You didn't have all that. You had to go buy it, and that's a lot of money to put out, too. Uh, however, if they get a home loan, it's all wrapped up in the home loan, where if they just buy the house and go out and buy the tractors and all the equipment, they got to get separate loans or come with that money out of pocket. Where here, yeah. it's just all wrapped up into it. I kind of like the idea of leasing it. Uh, the property? Yeah, because I have to live somewhere. Oh, no, I absolutely like that idea, leasing uh, that lower property and even this pasture right here around yeah. the house. Then you just take care of the yard. Yeah, you just take care of the yard. And um, then we'd landscape a bunch of it to cut down the mowing. Yeah. Give you something to do. Get out there and do some landscaping. Pull some weeds. <laughs> Put some rose bushes up. I was thinking about the other day. I'd like to have a little rose garden out there. You'd have to get some deer resistant. We might get deers in the yard if we had some of those. <gasps> right. That's a thought. Get some deer. And, uh, and then this part that we got fenced off for the dogs. You can put you some uh, grapes and all that. I still got to have a place for the kids. 
well, the grapes are suspended. The dogs can run below it. The, um, oh. Your Uncle Floyd's got your blackberries right. And we need, I was wondering about that when you was talking about uh, Aunt Pat and the musky dines. Can you get starts off of those? I guess. I don't know how. Daddy did. Well, you can probably get starts off of them. We can Google that. Or somebody that's listening to the podcast. Can get and not worry about it. Well, you could do that too. Get some mosquito-dine vines and not worry about it. Yeah, they already, they already go and started. You can't buy them right now? I don't know. I bet if we got online. They have them at Lowe's if they would. I bought Dad mosquito-dine vines one year. No. What did I buy? I bought a vine of something one year because you guys were living out there near Riceville. Because I was living in Washington. I bought Didn't a, no, grow. Yeah, I think Washington. I shipped them here. I don't know if you guys ever got them planted or not. Huh. What's like those bulbs you and I bought almost two years ago? They're still on the front ago. porch. Right. We got to figure out where you want to put them. <laughs> I tell you what I want to do is take care of this bank up here so we don't have to mow it. Because yeah. I don't like mowing that thing. It's dangerous. Sketchy. Yeah. You got to go to work. Um, Not for a bit. I got a little bit more time. What, you're not having fun? You want to be done talking? No. Everybody's going to be asking, why does these phones keep going off during your why podcast? Why are you talking so much, Scott? Well, I told you. I got to cut my musky dimes off. Oh, you're done? Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, she's going to go take care of her musky dimes. And uh, if you guys want some musky dime jelly, give me a call. <laughs> we'll see if we can get her to work and make you some of that. I'm sure she's got a little bit left. I could probably get one or two pints out there for somebody. Anyways, talk to you later. Well, there you have it. You've met my mother, or my mom. She hates it when I call her mother. I think it's got something to do with that movie Mommy Dearest or something like that, but she hates it when I say mother. So that's my mom. Her name is Linda Bridwell, by the way. Um, there's nothing really, I mean, she doesn't have a huge social media presence or nothing like that, but she's she's an amazing mom. She's been through a lot. She's doing really well. I know a lot of people ask me uh, from time to time, how's she doing since the uh, your dad passed away? Hey, do you hear those coyotes in the background? hear that i live out in the country anyways that's her so who's coming up next well i've got a lot of great guests this saturday i'm interviewing a, a wonderful lady she's got a great story um she's a mother of i don't know how many kids she does a lot of homeschool stuff she's just very dynamic energetic engaging i've actually got a yoga instructor coming on pretty excited about that an attorney that's going to be coming on in the future that's pretty cool um, and I've got another gal that's coming up who's doing, she's teaching, I don't want to say sex education, but it's kind of like that, but she's mentoring and talking to a lot of young girls in the high schools in the area. So she'll be coming on soon. And then one of my friends from high school, a fellow thespian, T-H-E-S-P-I-A-N, I believe that's how you spell it. She's going to be coming on. We haven't seen each other in over 30 years and she just recently moved back to the area as did I. We've ran each, into each other over, you know, once since we've both been back. But we're going to sit down and have a great conversation as well. Matter of fact, she asked me today, she said, so um, 
what what are we going to talk about? I'm not I'm not as interesting as some of the people you've had on. And I said, it's been 30 years. We will find something to talk about. And then she just kind of laughed. and said, no, you're right. So I'm pretty excited about that. Anyways, if you like these episodes and you like this podcast, uh, feel free to subscribe and also leave me a comment or like us. You know, give us a good review. Talk to you later. Bye.